0: If you struggle with being assertive and knowing how to communicate effectively, you're not alone. It's a problem faced by many. In this excerpt from her audiobook, psychologist Dr. Julie de Azevedo-Hanks encourages you to examine the way you assert yourself at work and at home, sharing strategies for getting your message across clearly and confidently. Hi, welcome to your great journey. We offer brief tips, techniques, and insights to help you move in positive directions and master big change. For more information, please visit yourgreatjourney.com.
1: Your Great Journey is brought to you by audiobook publisher Wetware Media. Wetware Media publishes a wide variety of personal transformation audiobooks available from any major online audiobook retailer. For more information, please visit wetwaremedia.com, that's dot com.
0: Today we're listening to an excerpt from the Assertiveness Guide for Women, How to Communicate Your Needs, Set Healthy Boundaries, and Transform Your Relationships, written by Dr. Julie de Azevedo-Hanks. Although it can be all too easy to stay quiet and not express yourself. Dangerous repercussions in the form of regret or worry may rise to the surface. These consequences can be avoided by learning to understand and express your emotions. This audiobook will help you begin your journey to becoming a strong and assertive communicator. In this episode, Dr. de Hanks talks about how to communicate effectively using boundaries, nonverbal cues, and having the confidence to say no. Strategies
1: for getting your message across. Some of the above techniques may come naturally to you or seem quite obvious, but others may not be as familiar to you or require greater effort on your part. They are all about being tactful, discreet, sensitive, and wise to help create an optimal opportunity for your own assertiveness. You won't master them all at once. I suggest starting with the technique that you feel most confident about putting into practice right now. Practice that specific technique for one or two weeks until it feels even more comfortable. Then select another skill to focus on for a couple of weeks. So, with a stage set for positive communication to take place, what else can you do to get your message across? Let's explore this more. Use more than words. Now, I want you to hone in on one specific aspect of family relationships that applies directly to assertiveness. Communication. Communication refers to sending and receiving messages with other individuals. While communication is one way that we can convey love and affection, it's also a powerful method of expressing the inherent differences that naturally arise in relationships. In other words, communication is a way to connect with others, as well as a way to differentiate yourself from others. When two people are together, there is always communication happening, messages being sent about yourself and the other person. But communication is more than the words you say, it is how you say them. Your tone of voice, body language, level of eye contact, raise of an eyebrow, exasperated sigh, and more are all part of communication. An often overlooked aspect of communication is the power of what is not spoken. You might think that not responding to someone is the same as not communicating. Lack of response is still communication. One cannot not communicate. Every behavior is a form of communication. A recent personal experience confirmed the power of nonverbal cues in relationships. My 13-year-old son is very sensitive to my breathing. I know that may sound strange, but it's true. When my breathing changes, like when I sigh unconsciously, he will sometimes check in with me, sweetly asking, Are you okay, Mom? You sound tired. Sometimes it's startling, and even slightly troubling, to realize that I'm communicating strong messages even when I don't know it. You cannot not communicate. Since we are always communicating something about ourselves or about others, my goal in writing this book is to help you become more conscious of your inner life and to develop the skills to accurately and powerfully express your feelings, thoughts, needs, and wants through words and through action, instead of communicating from a place of habitual repetition or emotional wounding from the past. A place to start for tuning in to your nonverbal communication is to notice your tone of voice and your body language in a conversation. For example, imagine you're telling a friend how much fun you had on vacation last week, but your voice sounds monotone and has no joy in it. Your words and voice are sending incongruent messages. If you're responding to feedback from a manager about your job performance, and you say, Thank you for the feedback, I'll take it into consideration and make those changes. Imagine that while you're saying those words, your body is turned away and your arms are crossed. You're sending a message through your body that undermines your words. So, in an upcoming conversation, take note of the messages your body is sending compared to your verbal expression. Then reflect on the following questions. Does my tone of voice reinforce or reverse what I'm trying to convey verbally? Is my body language supporting what I'm saying, or is it sending a mixed message? Build a strong fence. Central to the conversation of assertiveness is the concept of boundaries. Boundaries are like the membrane of a cell. The membrane differentiates the cell as a self contained unit and also mediates what comes into the cell and what is expelled. Similarly, boundaries are what enables us to define ourselves as unique individuals while simultaneously allowing us to interact with others. Where and how we set our boundaries moderates our balance between being a distant individual and being interconnected with others. Boundaries can be physics, like our comfort level with how close a person is standing to us on a bus. Or they can be abstract, like when an acquaintance asks an intrusive question such as, why aren't you married yet? Or, when are you going to have kids? When I teach clients about boundaries, I often use a fence metaphor. If your boundaries are weak, they're like a fence without strong posts that can be easily pushed over. This is a common pattern in women with an anxious attachment style and a low level of differentiation. To see how this might play out in real life, let's look at what happened to a single friend of mine, Gina, who has an anxious attachment style. She had complained that a co-worker kept asking her out. She had no interest in dating him, but instead of communicating that directly, she agreed to go out with him occasionally. Other times, she made up excuses for why she couldn't go out with him. Gina didn't want to hurt his feelings and feared he might talk poorly about her to co-workers. This led Gina to being more anxious at work, because she was trying to avoid her co-worker. When he finally found out that she had no interest in him, he was angry and hurt. By not establishing her boundaries, Gina created the very result that she feared. She deeply hurt his feelings, and he spoke negatively about her to others for several months afterward. On the other hand, if your boundaries are too rigid, it's as if you've built a high stone wall with no gate to enter or exit. Nothing comes in or goes out. While your fortress wall will keep you safe, it will also prevent you from being known and from knowing others. It will stifle your ability to develop intimate relationships. If your attachment style leans toward the avoidant with a low level of differentiation, you may be more familiar with the stone wall approach to boundaries than the unstable fence. Although it may seem that thick, rigid boundaries would indicate a high level of differentiation, that's not the case. Highly differentiated people with a secure attachment style are able to build a strong fence with an inviting gateway that they can open or shut, and not a stone wall. Individuals with a high differentiation level are able to be separate from, fence, and connected to others, gate, and can effectively filter what comes into their emotional space and what and how much they share with others. One of the most important things to understand about boundaries is that you are the one who creates them. Whether you're aware of this or not, you decide what kind of fence you'll build and what comes in and out of your personal space, physical and emotional. Every person has the right and responsibility to be able to say when someone else is too close, too dependent, or too involved or intertwined. This is where assertiveness comes in. You choose your company. If you're not comfortable with someone or something, you are allowed to express that. And perhaps the most fundamental boundary is the right to say no. Saying no is the primary way we express, I am me, I am not you, we are different. Practice saying no. As a mother of four, I am acutely aware that one of the first things children learn to say is the word no. I've heard it from the shrill cries of a two-year-old lying on the floor refusing to go to bed, and from the sarcastic voice of a teen who doesn't want to turn off the video game. Although it's usually not a word that parents want to hear in response to their requests, it's one of the most important words for a child to learn. The ability to say no is a first step in communicating the awareness of difference. I am me. I am not you. I think, feel, want, and need different things. While the ability to express difference is developmentally crucial for a child's development of the sense of self, many women lose their no as they get older. For young women raised in Western culture, this shift often happens during adolescence. The silencing of thoughts, feelings, wants, and needs in exchange for the love and approval of others. Author and psychologist Mary Pfeiffer beautifully describes this tragic process in her book Reviving Ophelia, Saving the Selves of Adolescent Girls. As a girl, Ophelia is happy and free, but with adolescence, she loses herself. When she falls in love with Hamlet, she lives only for his approval. She has no inner direction. Rather, she struggles to meet the demands of Hamlet and her father. Her value is determined utterly by their approval. Ophelia is torn apart by her efforts to please. When Hamlet spurns her because she is an obedient daughter, she goes mad with grief. Dressed in elegant clothes that weigh her down, she drowns in a stream filled with flowers. While the fact that you are listening to this book proves that your life hasn't literally ended tragically like the character of Ophelia, you may have figuratively killed parts of yourself in order to gain love and approval from others, or to avoid rejection or disconnection in relationships. I know I did. Women often kill their willingness to say the word no. I recall being around 11 or 12 when I started silencing my voice and losing my no. I would answer most questions with, I don't know. I remember one of my mom's friends asking me a question, and when I replied, I don't know, she called me out. She said, if you don't know what you want, who will? If you don't decide, I'll assume it's a no. 35 years later, I still remember the impact of her noticing that I was starting to silence my voice in my
0: own life. Thanks for listening to this excerpt from the audiobook, The Assertiveness Guide for Women. You can purchase the complete audiobook from any major online audiobook retailer. If you'd like more information, please visit yourgreatjourney.com. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And if you like the show, please rate and review it. And please share it with friends who might also enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Your Great
1: Journey is brought to you by audiobook publisher Wetware Media. Wetware Media publishes a wide variety of personal transformation audiobooks, available from any major online audiobook retailer. For more information, please visit wetwaremedia.com. That's
0: W-E-T-W-A-R-E-M-E-D-I-A dot com.